What's up, buddies? <laughs> How's it going, everyone? Welcome to episode number 11. Before we get started, just wanted to officially welcome you to Spooky Season, the best season of the year. And to celebrate, I have decided to cut the prices of merch by 5 to $10, depending on the item. So if you want, now is the time to buy. Go grab some of that on paranormalparalysis.com. Anyways, for this episode, we have Tom Stewart, who is a professional ghost hunter and the host of one of my absolute favorite podcasts, My Paranormal Story. So go grab some of that pumpkin spice whiskey (laughs) and let's get to it. How's it going, everybody? Welcome to Paranormal Paralysis, episode number 11, officially spooky season. So with us today, we have a professional ghost hunter and fellow spooky podcaster with many spooky experiences all the way from Massachusetts, Mr. Tom Stewart. How are you doing today, Tom? I'm good. How are you, Sterling? Good. Well, I'm feeling a little spooky. <laughs> but So yeah, I found Tom's podcast, which is called My Paranormal Story, a couple months back. And you know, with my line of work, I have a lot of time to wait around. So a lot of podcasts I listened to and I just binged and binged his podcast. How did you find it? How'd you find my podcast? I was just searching up like paranormal podcasts to listen to and yours just popped up on Spotify and Mm -hmm. it was good quality. So I just continued. (laughs) Oh, cool. That's good. Well, yeah, I'm glad people are discovering it. Yeah, definitely. How did you get into the paranormal kind of stuff? Because I know you're you're also a comedian, right? That's correct. Yeah, that's what I do for a living is stand-up comedy. And yeah, people oh, are always awesome. like, those two don't seem to go together. <laughs> yeah. But, you know, we all have different interests, not all just yeah. one interest. So, uh, but as far as paranormal, yeah, I mean, I've, I grew up having experiences all around me, different places, different things. And uh, I was always interested in exploring and looking into these weird things that I would experience or hear about. Mm. When I was an adult... Uh, I was living in a haunted house for a little while. Oh, really? And uh, that kind of got me into really wanting to study the paranormal more. I wanted to understand it. I wanted Uh to know what was going on with it. So that forced me to delve into everything I could find, books, movies, TV Mm -hmm. shows, whatever. And once I had all that knowledge and experience, I started seeing the TV shows, Ghost Hunters and Ghost Adventures and shows like that. And I said, you know, I should be doing that Mm -hmm. because I have all this knowledge now of all this experience. So I reached out to my local community, looked for a a local paranormal team and uh, Hmm. sent them an email and asked if I could join them and uh, ended up uh, joining Rise Up Paranormal and uh, learned a lot from them. We got to uh, investigate a lot of places and uh, that's basically how it happened. I just kind of was like, okay, let's do this. Yeah, awesome. So uh, you mentioned growing up in a haunted house. Was that where you had, or not growing up, sorry, as an adult, you lived in a haunted house, right? Yeah, yeah. And that was kind of interesting. I mean, I had had some paranormal experiences here and there growing up. You know, Mm -hmm. as a kid, as a teenager especially, I loved going to haunted places. I loved going to cemeteries, things like that. But Yeah. yeah, when I was in like my 30s, I moved into a house with a friend of mine. And it was four of us, like roommates, just living there together. Hmm. And before I had moved in, my friend who lived there, I had heard stories from his previous roommates about how there were ghosts and it was haunted and all this stuff. But, you know, they were girls, so you just kind of wrote it off. You know, like, oh, they're girls, everything's a ghost (laughs) to them. But when I moved in, the stuff started happening to me. 
and uh, and that's when I was like, whoa, something really is going on here. And so it was huh. almost like it was something I was interested in, and now I was in the middle of it. It was actually happening to me, you know. Hmm. So I got to experiment with it. I got to learn from it. And at times it was spooky too. At times it was a little scary. My girlfriend at the time, she hated sleeping in my room. Yeah. There were a lot of different experiences there. And that's what led me to want to understand it better. Mm. Is that the house where you lived in the basement? Uh, no, this was the house. Uh, it was one, I think it was my very first episode. It was the house on Cemetery Street. Mm, Which okay. is true. <laughs> I mean, you know, if you're going to live in a haunted house, you want it to be on Cemetery Street, right? But right, it's true. It, there was a cemetery directly across the street from my house. Mm. Um, and uh, one of my roommates, she lived in the basement. And then two of us lived on the top floor. And then the other roommate had gotcha. on, the, on the main floor. He had a bedroom there. But most of the experiences were happening on the top floor where I was. How did it kind of start? Like, what was... Was it one of those things that gradually eased into you realizing it was a haunting or did you have like a weird feeling the first time you stepped foot in that house? Yeah, no, it was like most hauntings. It just kind of gradually got more and more bold. Mm -hmm. You know, when it first started, I didn't think it was a haunted situation. I just thought, yeah. uh, you know, my head was playing tricks on me or that my roommates were trying to play a trick on me, you know. So it was mm -hmm. little things like, uh, you know, I would get up in the morning to go to work and I'd, you know, grab some clothes and a towel and go take a shower, come back to my bedroom and all the drawers on my bureau would be opened huh. and the closet doors would be opened. And I'd Weird. be like, well, you know, I know I closed all those, you know, silly yeah. things like that. There was uh, one episode that sticks out was I had uh, a couple of autographed baseballs that I kept mm -hmm. in plastic cubes, you know, to protect them. Yeah. And they were at the back of my bureau, right? Like up against the wall. Uh -huh. And a couple of times I would come home from work and they would be moved to the very front edge of the bureau. Huh. And I used to say to my roommates, so who's in my room? You know, why did you guys right. touch my stuff? And they'd all be like, what are you talking about? We didn't go in your room. Huh. So it was things like that. But it, the, the roommates had experiences, too. There was one morning where, you know, there's four of us. And so we all get up at different times. We need to take showers. We need to go to work and everything like that. And there was one morning where all four of us overslept for work, none of our alarms went off, including my cell phone alarm, which, you know, wasn't dependent on being plugged into a wall because it's got a battery. Right. Even that alarm didn't go off because at the time I always had a backup alarm, you know, my yeah. cell phone. So like all four of us were scrambling around trying to get to work, running late at the same time because all of our alarms didn't work. And it, it couldn't have been an electrical thing. So like I said, I had my cell phone set too, and that one didn't go off. So it was a just weird things like that kept escalating. Then it got to a point where I started witnessing the things happen. I was sitting at my computer desk in my bedroom one night, playing video games, being a nerd. And <laughs> it was probably, you know, two, three in the morning. And in the corner, not too far from me, uh, I had a mirror on two legs. It's like a, a shovel mirror. It's like one of those oval mirrors and you mm -hmm. can kind of like adjust it and pivot it. Yeah. And as I'm sitting at my desk, I'm watching the mirror slowly move from being, you know, upright to being horizontal, wow. just totally turning on its own cool. slowly. And I just sat there looking at it going, huh, that's weird. Because, you know, even if the, the bolts were loose, it, it would just kind of go a little bit. It wouldn't go completely horizontal. Yeah. And so I, you know, I slowly reached over to put it back into place and it was still 
pretty tight. Like the bolts were still pretty tight, but I was able to move it. And at the whole time I'm thinking to myself, something's going to be in this mirror behind me. Yeah. You know, like every <laughs> right. horror movie, there's going to be yeah, some exactly. old witch or something behind me. <laughs> and I put it back into place, but <laughs> luckily there was nothing there. <laughs> That's good. But those were the things that kept adding up and more and more. And then I started realizing, hmm, something's going on. My, I was having very, very uh, weird dreams, dreams of people dying, dreams of me dying. Weird. You know, I, I would wake up and I'd be laying with my arms across my chest like I was in a coffin. Like I would wake weird. up like that. My girlfriend huh. would sleep over and she would wake up and she would see a black mass in the corner, like, mm -hmm. like something was watching us, like staring over us. Yeah. Then the ultimate thing was... During the middle of the night, I felt what's, I thought it was my cat's, my roommate's cat jumping onto my bed mm -hmm. because my roommate who was in the basement, the bedroom I was in used to be her bedroom. And then when I moved in, she went down to the basement. Yeah. So the cat used to like to come into that room still. He still thought it was his room. Right. Yeah. <laughs> and so I thought the cat had jumped on the bed, which I didn't mind when he would come in the room. But then whatever was on my bed, I felt it sit on my chest. And when I opened my eyes, I saw the image of an old man with like this Whoa. black hat on. It looked like he was wearing like a coat or something. And he was swinging at me, trying to punch me like he was trying to hit me. <laughs> um, so Jeez. I jumped out of bed like I'm, you know, ready to fight right. and flipped on the light and nobody was there. The cat wasn't there. There was no old guy there. There was wow. nobody there. Like it was just the whole thing was just some sort of a paranormal experience. And yeah. That was the point where I was like, all right, I need to like, I need to be proactive. I need to figure out what's going on. Can it hurt me? Mm -hmm. Can I make it stop? All these things. And that's when I started learning more about paranormal. I started learning more about things like sage and dragon's blood and things like that. And, um, you know, and I later found out that my, my roommate, when she was in the basement, she was doing things like tarot cards and Ouija boards and stuff. So yeah. she was not helping the situation. Right, yeah. You know? um, but it, it <laughs> was a very interesting house. And the roommate from the basement who used to be in that bedroom, she later mm -hmm. described the old man's face to me like perfectly. Like it was the really? exact same guy because she used to wake up in the middle of the night and he'd be staring her right in the face. Wow. <laughs> And then the closer for me was I came home from work one day and my other roommate, he's sitting in the living room and there's a strange guy in the house. Hmm. And he's like, oh, Tom, this is so-and-so. Uh, he's my friend of mine. He, you know, he used to live out here, but he moved to California and he's home visiting. Yeah. And he used to live in the house too. And he was like, in oh. fact, he used to sleep in the same room you sleep in. And I was like, oh. And the guy stood oh. up, shook my hand. And first thing he says is, have you seen the old man yet? <laughs> Oh man. So he'd had the same experience too. Jeez. Complete stranger that I'd never talked to. Yeah. And so, well, you know, other roommates had seen it. Um, so it was definitely a haunted house. And that's what got me into wanting to be a paranormal investigator. I wanted to help people who were in that situation. Yeah, definitely. Have you ever had any kind of sleep paralysis or anything like that? I I'm sure I have. I think most of us experience that at one time or mm -hmm. another. I probably do because I know I have sleep apnea and I've probably had bouts of sleep paralysis, none that I vividly remember. But, yeah. you know, okay. uh, my sleep patterns have always sucked because I've always worked strange hours. Yeah. I've always yeah. I've always been the type of person that, you know, forces himself to stay awake as long as possible until I'm basically right. passing out. <laughs> you know, I'm one of those people. So, mm -hmm. yeah, so can that explain some of that away? It, it's 
hard to say because other people had the same experiences as me. Yeah, you know, yeah, and that, that kind of like. That but that is something that, you know, that I thought about factored in, you know, when I was an investigator, mm -hmm. obviously that was something you always have to consider is these natural, you know, biological type situations that could be causing this. Yeah, definitely. What was the first experience you can remember, the first ever experience you can remember that was paranormal in nature? It's funny because when I started doing this podcast, I was just kind of telling my stories, some of my personal stories, some of my investigation stories. And as I was trying to think of stories for the next episode or the next episode after that, I started to remember situations and things that I had happened to me when I was younger that yeah. I didn't even think of as paranormal because my whole life I just kind of thought they were normal. Yeah, and then as right. I started analyzing my memories, I was like, wait a minute, that's weird that, that I remember that. So one of the earliest memories I've had so far was when I was just a little boy, probably like five, hmm. six years old tops. I can remember I used to talk to these animals in my bedroom, not oh, stuffed yes. animals or anything like that, but there were the these- Imaginary friends. Kinda, I guess. There was these weird animals that I used to see in my room and they weren't like any regular animal. It wasn't like I was seeing an elephant or a giraffe or something, but they were just these, yeah. there was more than one of them. There was four or five of them and they were small, but not- not small like a stuffed animal. They were probably like, mm -hmm. you know, a foot to two feet tall. And some of them were colorful. Oh. Some of them were just black and white. And the reason I remember it so much is because I used to talk to them all the time. And mm -hmm. I'd be in bed, supposed to be sleeping. And my mother would hear me talking to them and giggling and, and having fun. And she would come up into my room and be like, who are you talking to? And I would tell her I'm, I'm talking to the animals at the end of my bed. And all mm -hmm. I remember is her, she would just say, all your animals get out of here. He needs to go to sleep. And they would leave. They would go back like, I don't know yeah. if they went under the bed, but they'd get off the bed and I wouldn't be able to see them anymore. And then I would go to sleep. And huh. that to me, I don't know, could it just be a child's imagination running wild or was I actually seeing something, you know? So yeah. to me, that's my first paranormal experience because, huh. you know, adults love to dismiss what children are seeing so easily. Yeah, right. But... It's adults who are like preconditioning us to believe that those things aren't real. So yeah. are they real? And we're being told they're not. So we're convinced that they're not. Or are children able mm -hmm. to sense and see things that we don't get to see or sense when we're older? So it, it's it's one of those situations. Yeah, that's definitely interesting. I remember when I was a kid, we had this <laughs> this old raggedy cat that I was just terrified of and I'd have nightmares about her and stuff and thought she was like coming into my room and trying to drag me away and my parents never they're like oh it's just a dream it's just a dream but then when I grew up they would always ask me like hey you remember cuckoo at all like what what was that all about and I would say the same stories and they're like oh so maybe, maybe there was actually something to that so yeah, uh, yeah it's definitely interesting <laughs> you had a, <laughs> uh, an angry spirit cat <laughs> coming after you well it was it was like a it had three legs, and it was a little little mangy thing because they found her in like a blueberry field or oh, something. Yeah. But oh. yeah, interesting, interesting <laughs> cat. <laughs> yeah, awesome. So with Rise Up Paranormal, what were some of the most interesting places that you've investigated so far? Oh man, there were so many. We we got to go to so many historic hmm. places and legendary places yeah. because you know, Rise Up Paranormal is out of Rhode Island. Oh, okay. and New England is just chock full of so much history yeah, definitely. and so much lore. So some of my 
favorite places that we got to investigate. Belcourt Castle <laughs> in Newport, Rhode Island is one of the the best. I mean, probably the most haunted place I've ever been. The owner of the castle, she brought us on to host ghost tours for the summer. Oh, awesome. So on Friday and Saturday nights, you know, we would take a group of 10, 15 people, split them up, and then take them to different parts of the castle, let them do paranormal investigations. And we would teach them how to do it, let them use our tools and stuff. But we got to not only investigate on our own several times because of that, uh-huh. but we got to compare all the notes of all the people that we brought through too. Yeah. Because we made it almost into a case study, which I haven't seen ever be done before. Yeah. But basically weekend after weekend for an entire summer, we would bring in complete strangers, hmm. set them off into the castle, let them experiment, let them experience things, let them look for stuff. And then every hour or so, we would have them write down some notes of what they saw, what they felt, what they thought. <laughs> and after you know several weeks, several months, a lot of the people were having the same experiences in the same parts of the castle. And that was very strange because, yeah. first of all, we made it a point to not tell anybody anything right. ahead of the investigations. Uh-huh. So there was no power of suggestion. You know, we weren't going to be like, oh, when you go into that room, sometimes people pull hair. Yeah. We, don't, we didn't tell anybody anything. We just wanted them to go in cold and find out what they... And so weekend after weekend, people were having the same exact experiences in the same rooms, hearing the hmm. same voices, having the same reactions, things happening... One room was called the music room, and on many occasions, a woman would be in the room with us while we're investigating, and she would feel somebody pull on her hair. Huh. And this happened weekend after weekend after weekend, a woman would have her hair pulled. Wow. And we would catch it on video of the woman reacting to it, like kind of like jumping up. Awesome. You know, sometimes they would slap their boyfriend thinking that he did it to (laughs) to scare her or something. Uh And uh, yeah, just examples like that over and over again. Hmm. And... Uh, sometimes we'd have investigating teams come in as part of the tours and they would catch EVPs and they would share the EVPs with us, hmm. electronic voice phenomena. And the voices they would pick up on their recorders, weekend after weekend, different groups, they would send us these EVPs and it would be the same voice. Wow. Like you could hear that it's the same voice talking, huh. but different people Jeez. were recording it. So that kind of blew my mind. It was just an, an yeah. amazing haunted place and there was different rooms that gave you different experiences and it's because it was such a big place um another great place was the Payne house which is in coventry rhode island this is probably the most to me the most reliably haunted place i've ever been every single time i've gone there which is probably you know in the teens by now 10 12 14 times something (laughs) paranormal happens you know, it may just be footsteps on the floor above us and we know no one's up there. Or it might be a shadow walking across a hallway in front of us. But every single time we go there, something happens. Like that place is its not spooky. It's not scary. It's not like stuff's coming out to, to scare you. It's not pulling your hair. Yeah. There's yeah. just a lot of history and spirits in that house. And you will, I mean, it's almost a guarantee. I, I like to bring people who are who are skeptics there. Oh, yeah. You know, I have some, I've some. i had friends who are like, ah, that stuff's not real. Yeah. I'm like, oh, you know, I'm actually going there tonight. You want to come? All right. And I'll bring them in there. And sure enough, they'll see something and they become believers. Right. Um, awesome. So that was a great place. And just, you know, there's been so many others. I mean, um, Sprague Mansion, legendary historic place, uh, the USS Salem. I mean, I could go on and on and on. And, I, and I've, I've put a lot of those stories about those places and investigations on my podcast, too. Mm. 
so you know people can listen and i actually will play some of the evps we have in some cases you can go to the website and look at some videos of things happening so yeah that was the main idea behind my podcast was to just start telling those stories because i was telling them to people all the time everywhere i went so i said why don't i just make a podcast and let everybody listen and been lots of fun doing that yeah awesome i think you mentioned in, in your podcast a few times but all of the stories on there are your personal experiences, right? Yes. These are all things that happened to me. You know, I mean, I tell some other people's stories that might relate to mine, you know, and occasionally I might have a guest come on and, and, you know, talk about their experience. But yeah, these are all things that, you know, happened in throughout my life. That's Uh kind of like what makes the podcast unique is that, you know, there's a lot of paranormal storytelling podcasts, but they're usually telling other people's stories right, or it's yeah. a different person every week coming on and calling in with their story. Uh-huh. Um, but no, these are all things that I've somehow plucked out of my memories. And, and I don't know how much longer I can go. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> a couple of times already I've been like, well, that's it. I can't think of any more experiences I've had. I guess the podcast is over. And then yeah. a week later I'll be like, oh, remember that time? <laughs> And then I just start jotting it down. So sometimes it takes me a month to get to the next episode because sometimes I'm just like, hmm. Searching your brain. You know, I don't remember or, you know, I don't have all, I can't remember all the details on that one. So sometimes I have to research my old stories too, you know, yeah. to remember myself. And then I, I, I go through my case files from being a paranormal investigator. And sometimes that sparks up some memories and experiences mm-hmm. too. You almost have like 60 episodes now, right? I think I just saw a new one. Come yeah, out a couple days on, ago. Well, I think if I've done a few Q and A episodes too, so I think if you count those, hmm, I'm like okay. sixty or sixty one episodes in. Yeah. yeah, like I just put up story wise. I think I just put up like my fifty sixth or fifty seventh episode. Wow, um, that's a lot yeah, of experiences. I look at that and I'm like, how how <laughs> have I had that many experiences? But some of those yeah. episodes are you know split up into parts, so some mm-hmm. of them are two gotcha. or three parters. So it's probably you know less than fifty, but. Um, But I feel like if if everybody just kind of sat down and just thought about things they've experienced throughout their whole life since childhood, Mm -hmm. you'd start realizing, wow, I've I've had some weird experiences. Yeah. You know, I I, I think everybody experiences these things, but we're just so pre-programmed to just ignore them or dismiss them as, you know, our mind playing a trick on us or whatever. You know? Interesting. So going back to uh, you saying a lot of the places you've investigated have a lot of history and stuff like that. Are you one of the people who believes that there are separate kind of hauntings? Like you have a ghost, it could be a demon, and then uh, there could be a haunting based on, I think it's called like residual haunting or something like that, based on like bad events that have happened in the house. For example, like the Lizzie Borden house yep. and stuff along that lines. Is that something that you are a believer in? In a way, in a way. I mean, I do believe that there are intelligent hauntings, residual hauntings. Uh, I I never go down the road of demons for some reason. I'm not even 100% on board with ghosts being the spirits of people who once were alive. Oh, okay. Like, I just... Interesting. I I kind of like to apply myself to, we just don't know what it is. But we know it's something. And we know that occasionally it's aware of us and it's aware of itself. So I don't know. I know it's energy that I'm pretty sure of, but I don't know if it's energy we're putting out, if it's energy from somebody who once lived there, maybe it's dimensional, maybe it's something coming in from another dimension or whatever. Like it's, it could be so many different things that we just don't understand. So 
Yeah. Um, so I try to just let it be and just try to let it take me down whatever road it takes me. But for demons, hmm. I, I'm just, I'm not a religious person. Okay. So, you know, to believe, not believe in one side, you can't believe in the other side. You know yeah. what I mean? Yeah, so exactly. I don't think something's an angel. So I don't think something's a demon. Right. Um, I think that whatever spirits are, sometimes they can be jerks and sometimes mm. they're not. So I think if something's demon, when it comes to things like possessions and stuff, though, that's where it kind of gets a little bit even more blurry than it already is. Yeah, because yeah. I feel like I have experienced a, a, a person who was possessed once, but it's so it's so hard for me to take that leap because I want to be scientific about everything. So, right, you know, there's yeah. so many things going on medically, biologically that I don't understand because I never studied any of that. So, mm-hmm. but I do believe that history leaves energy behind. So I do believe that in some haunted places, when you hear footsteps, it's just time replaying itself. Yeah. And not necessarily a ghost that knows it's there. So I do believe sometimes the energy of sound, the energy of of actions. You know, if you see a woman in a blue dress walking down a staircase, I believe that can be residual and not an intelligent mm. thing that you can communicate with. Um, it's just time playing itself back. I think that's possible. But again, it's something we haven't really figured out yet. Yeah. That's the best part about all the paranormal stuff for me is no one can say exactly what it is or what it is not. It's just kind of, no one really knows. Yeah, and it, it's, you can't really no find really out either. No one really should say because you know, <laughs> yeah. we, we've never known. I don't, I don't know if we'll ever know because, mm-hmm. you know, science is based on, you know, controlled environments and it's really impossible to control a haunted environment and you can't repeat it or even count on it to be there when you want to experiment. So it's really hard to even, yeah. you know, make any conclusions. Basically it's all theory. At best. Yeah, definitely. You had uh, one story where you were, I think, at a friend's house and their dad had you guys, or you wanted to when you asked the dad and he thought it was a great idea to dig or try to find like a hidden room under a house. Is that right? And you found like a little tunnel or something like oh, that? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I know what you mean. When I used to stay at my father's house. Yeah, this yeah, was uh, yeah. when I was a kid like maybe 12, 13 years old. My father lived in an apartment in a very old house and uh, all the houses in the neighborhood were very old. Mm -hmm. And two houses down, that house had a tunnel that led from the woods all the way to a hidden room underneath their house. And it was part of the Underground Railroad. Way off in the woods on the other side of a brook, there was train tracks and they used to actually smuggle slaves up to the north and there were certain people in certain houses that would take them in. And I guess the owners of this house had literally built a secret room with a tunnel Jeez. so that the slaves could hide under there, the escaped slaves. So, um, yeah, so when we were kids, we used to go into this tunnel and, like, explore it. You know, we mm-hmm. were like goonies. We loved it. Yeah, yeah, that know? would be exciting. <laughs> and we were the only ones that could go in there because the room under the house, it, it did have a trap door that went into the house, but it had been already, like— covered up with flooring and everything so it was not usable so the only way in and out of that tunnel was through the entrance out in the woods and you had to crawl in on your belly Hmm. so like today i wouldn't even be able to fit in there like you had to be a kid to crawl in there you know so you know the slaves from the south were obviously very skinny and small enough to squeeze through these holes because they were like child Hmm. size but once you got in the tunnel it got gradually bigger and bigger and bigger as you got 
closer to the house to the point where you could actually stand up in the hidden room. Yeah. But then there was a, we had found out from the owner that he went and looked at like um, the layout of the house or something at town hall or something, mm-hmm. discovered that there was a second tunnel parallel to that one leading to the right. house. There was actually two hidden rooms and two tunnels, but he had no idea where the other tunnel was. So that was always yeah. the big search for us as little goonies running around <laughs> trying to find the second tunnel. Yeah. And then one day, accidentally, one of us leaned up against the wall in the tunnel and the wall kind of fell through. And it turned out that mm. there was a tunnel going from our tunnel leading to the other tunnel that we couldn't find. It was kind of like a, we used to call it the H tunnel because yeah. it was kind of like the middle line between the H. You know, when you draw an H, you have two long lines on the sides mm-hmm. and then one in the middle going the other way. Yeah. And so that was what we used to explore was trying to get through there and get to the other tunnel because we figured the entrance probably caved in. So there's no way to get to it other than this little H tunnel. But it was it was really tight and small. And, you know, we were teenage boys, so we were growing like weeds. <laughs> you know, every week it was harder <laughs> to get into the tunnel because we were getting bigger and growing. Yeah, yeah. So we never made it to the other side of that tunnel. But, you know, we saw some strange things in there when we were down there. I saw what looked like a shadow go by on the other side hmm. of the tunnel that we couldn't get to. And that was kind of like freaky. Yeah. And and our parents hated that we were in there. <laughs> My father hated it because, you know, he thought the thing was going to collapse on us and, you know, I'd be stuck oh, in yeah. there someday. Yeah. And, and as well, an adult now, I'm like, yeah, he was probably right <laughs> to be worried, you know. You're right. But as a kid, I was like, <laughs> ah, I'll be fine. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, have you ever had anything... Uh, follow you home from an investigation or something like that? It's funny because I just put up an episode about that. Oh, okay. Yeah, my latest episode is actually about spirit attachment, but I have never had that happen to me that I know of. I've never noticed it happening. If it happened, I didn't notice. I do believe it's possible, but I believe it's rare for it to happen. I've worked with paranormal investigators who who like to prepare for that, so they'll say a prayer before investigating or they'll do like a ritual before and sometimes after to make sure, you know, all right, you guys can't follow me home. You know, I'm blocking you or whatever. Yeah. But I, I've, I've had friends who were paranormal investigators say, yeah, something followed me home. All of a sudden, strange things are happening at my house, just like they happened where we were investigating. Hmm. The new episode that I just put up is about a friend of mine who's a nurse at a hospital. And she'd seen lots of paranormal things happen at hospitals. I've actually talked to lots of nurses and and other people like security guards and stuff who've worked in hospitals and they say that stuff happens all the time. But she started having things happen at her house too and they were similar to what she was experiencing at the hospital. Hmm. And so she had come to me about whether or not, you know, some of her patients that passed away, maybe they could have followed her home or attached themselves to her. And and I think that was the case because her house... I went over her house and there were some experiences that I was able to have while she while I was there. So I do believe spirit attachment is possible. I think it's rare, but I do think in some situations, like if you're a nurse or a doctor or something like that, you're around it so much right, and right. you're so appealing to the spirit because you were probably the last person to care for them. Yeah. You know, you might've been the last person to hold their hand before they passed away. So I believe you're, those types of people have a better chance of being attached to than than most other people, you know. Hmm. But, you know, if you're a paranormal investigator, you're opening the door to this. Yeah, know? yeah. Um, 
So you you're, be prepared. You're trying better. to communicate. You're trying to get this thing to communicate with you. So it might be attaching itself to you. So you have to be careful about that. You know, it's one of the risks of being yeah, an investigator. Definitely. Just kind of a random question. Do you think a mortician would be along those lines or not so much because they're more, you know, after the fact of someone passing away? Good question. I never thought about it, but, you know, yeah, probably because I think by the time the mortician gets to the body, it's just the empty vessel now. You know, I think whatever yeah, energy yeah. was there is probably already gone. But I do believe, and I mean, I actually have an episode about it because I had a few experiences at a funeral home because I, growing up, I had a friend whose family owned a funeral home. And oh, um, nice. <laughs> there used to be lots of strange activity there. And yeah. I believe that's probably attached to the energy of people feeling loss, you know, Mm-hmm. And so many people, yeah. you know, during a funeral, so many people, their energies are like combined in mourning over one certain person. So that spirit could possibly be, you know, lingering because of that. Yeah, um, definitely. But I don't, I don't know if a mortician necessarily would have mm-hmm. attachment, but it's a good question. I would love to talk to one who has, you know, but I've never known yeah. of anyone, anyone that's had an attachment like that. Overall, what do you think has been your most intense paranormal experience, either from your childhood or your adult life or something, something along the lines of maybe you get, you like having the experience and then you're like, maybe I don't want to continue doing this anymore. Um, (laughs) Well, the guy sitting on my bed trying to hit me was pretty intense. (laughs) Yeah. I'll say that. (laughs) There have been a few occasions when uh, investigating where I've been in a room and I just got an overwhelming feeling of not being welcome. So, you know, as an investigator, it's good to just always mm-hmm. go with your instincts. If you don't feel like something wants you there, then leave. And that's actually happened when I mentioned Belcourt Castle. Yeah. That actually yeah. happened one time. And it was myself and two other investigators. We were in a room. It was the servants' quarters, which was way up on the third floor. And this was a section of the uh, of the mansion that... Nobody really got to visit that, you know, we didn't bring tours in there. They didn't, you know, guests didn't get to go in there. It was basically mm-hmm. being used for storage at this point. And we would get to go up there to investigate. And we used to get a lot of interesting activity oh. up there. And it, it always felt nice. friendly. It always felt welcoming. But one time, one night when we were in there, we were sitting in this small room. It was, used to be a bedroom. There was still a bed and some furniture in there. And I just felt like... That feeling you get when you just know somebody really despises you, like you did mm-hmm. something wrong to them or, you know, it it's kind of hard to describe, but I, I just had this, and it just came out of the blue, just yeah. like overwhelming, like, wow, somebody doesn't want me here. And the I literally, like, I could see on the, the faces of the other investigators, like, that they were kind of like, mm. they looked uneasy too. For a place that we had investigated a bunch of times and never had an issue with, they both looked uneasy too. And so I just said, do you guys feel like we shouldn't be in here right now? And they were both like, yeah, yeah. And all three of us at the same time, we were like, well, we're sorry we disturbed you. Uh, we're going to leave now. We just left the room. It just felt like huh. something was angry with us for being there. It just wasn't in the mood to be investigated, apparently. So there have been a few tense moments like that where it's like, all right, I think I'm just going to go, you know. Yeah. There was another house real quick was uh, it used to be a hostel. Like, people used to, like, rent out rooms on the third floor. And this was, like, back in, like, the 70s, you know? So a lot of these people would be, like, drifters and hippies and, you know, and whatnot, gypsies. Uh 
and I can remember, I remember that whole third floor, the whole thing, the whole rooms, every room just felt heavy. It just felt like the room was like coming in on you all the time. But then at the end of the investigation, when I had to go back mm. up there to get some equipment and I had to go up there by myself, I felt like a little kid again when you like, you know, you're in the basement and you run up the yeah. stairs real quick because you think the <laughs> monsters are chasing you. Like I had that feeling again as an huh. adult, like, oh my God, like whatever's up here is like ready to come after me. And Weird. I just like got the hell out of there as fast yeah. as I could. So you, huh. yeah, those, this, you, if you do paranormal investigation long enough, you're going to have intense experiences like that, you know, and it's best to just yeah. listen to your instincts and just get out of there, go outside, get some fresh air or whatever, or go to a safe space, mm -hmm. you know. Because yeah. you don't want your brain to get freaked out. Yeah, of course. Do you find that you kind of have to mentally prepare yourself before you go on an investigation? Or is it something you just dive into? No, I, I just it used to go. Yeah, I mean, yeah. I, mean awesome. I, I guess I was mentally prepared, right? Because a lot of times, most times, just about every time before an investigation, I'm doing lots of research. Yeah, on the history yeah. of the place, people who lived so kind there. Of that way, you know, yeah. for a, a bunch of years, I was the case manager. So in some cases, I had already interviewed people who had experiences there, mm. or I'd looked up, you know, different information about the place. So yeah, so I guess mentally, I was kind of prepared going in, but that was because it's kind of part of the job. But yeah, um, yeah. but you know, I I never did any kind of like meditation or anything to prepare myself for what I might experience. You know, okay. um, which actually might be a good thing for people to do. I never did, but it's not a bad suggestion mm -hmm. to do that because, you know, your mind's going to play tricks on you, even if the place isn't haunted. Right. You know, you're mm -hmm. in a dark place that you've never been before. It's probably musty and, and dank and, you know, there's probably slanted yeah. ceilings and stuff and it's it's going to screw at your head. Yeah, you definitely. Know? All these places where you're in attics and basements, everything is just odd and dark and cold and whatever. Yeah, mm -hmm. it's going to play with your head. So you kind of have to... You know, you you can't be someone who's easily rattled. You know, right, you have to yeah. be curious first and scared second. And I think that's what that's what always benefited me was, all right, this doesn't this is scary, but I want to know what it is before I run from it. Yeah. So, do you think that with all these experiences you've had, you're kind of immune in a way to you know spooky stuff happening, or is there still some things that can rattle you pretty good oh i'm sure i'm sure there's still something out there that could rattle me i don't want to challenge anything so let me just yeah. say that right now <laughs> um oh i mean i've been like whoa you know i've been scared but i've never been like running out of <laughs> yeah. a place and refused to ever go back type of thing right i don't know yeah. if anything would ever rattle me that much hmm. i'm not saying you know all demons come get me now please no i don't want right. that <laughs> um no I, i'm just yeah. i'm just such a curious person i've always been since mm -hmm. i was a kid you know, I mean, I used to sneak out of my house, ride my bicycle like two miles to this cemetery mm -hmm. in the middle of the night and just walk around in this cemetery by myself. Like people thought I was absolutely nuts, but I loved it. I loved yeah. doing it. I loved seeing things and experiencing things and, and learning things. So uh, I don't know, maybe I am like unrattleable, but I don't want to say that I am because I don't want that one thing to come. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you know, and then it changes everything. Yeah. But I think you have to have some kind of you know set of brass ones on you to yeah. to do this for a regular amount of time. You know, hmm. I mean, some people are just doing it for the thrill, and you're not always going to get a thrill. And in fact, most times you're not. Yeah. But when you do get that Definitely. one situation where something, you know, all of a sudden something happens right in front of you. You got to be prepared. Mm -hmm. You got to be a rock. That's why I always say do it in groups. Never investigate alone. 
everybody's more yeah. brave when there's someone else around with mm-hmm. them. So, you know, always take safety first. Awesome. You have a book as well. Do you want to tell us a little bit about, about what that's all about and the title of that and everything? Yeah, uh, I decided to write a book during the pandemic because what else was I going to do? <laughs> right. <laughs> um, it's called uh, the, 10, <laughs> the 10 Best Tools for Ghost Hunting. Awesome. I just figured I would write a book about, you know, because I watch the TV shows like everyone else and I see yeah, all the right. gadgets and things that they're using. And uh-huh. I find most of them to be crap. They're just, they're just really? okay. useless. They're, they're, they have no yeah. basis of science behind them whatsoever. They're just gimmicks. They're just, hmm. you know, for entertainment. So I thought yeah. I would write a book about the 10 best tools to use. And so people who are curious about paranormal investigation, they'll find uh, the book interesting because, I, you know, I talk about the tool. I talk about some of the history of each tool and gadget. I talk about why it's used, how to use it. And I give some examples of how I've used it and had success with it. And I throw in some of my humor in there, too, you know, yeah, because um, that's yeah. just who I am. So it kind of, you know, it kind of makes it a fun book. And if you're an actual paranormal investigator, you'll probably like the book because I'm very old school. So I'm not using ghost boxes yeah. and things like that. Like I'm old school, right. with, you know, with <laughs> audio recorders and, ghost you know, and things like that. So yeah. and I'm, I'm hoping when I have some time to write a follow up book, which is the 10 worst tools for ghost hunting. Because <laughs> you know, I think that, that one will piss nice. off a lot of the paranormal investigators, especially the ones on TV right. who are using all these crap <laughs> gadgets because they blink and they talk and yeah. they do things on TV that are good for entertainment, but yeah. they're really not getting to the bottom of anything. Good. Most good paranormal investigators do this because A, they want to help people, mm-hmm. and B, they want to move this study of paranormal research forward. Yeah. But the TV shows aren't moving anything forward. They're not meant to move anything forward. They're just meant to entertain. Mm-hmm. So right. they're going to use tools and they're going to use different practices uh, that aren't helping anything. They're just getting ratings, you know? Yeah. So I can't blame them for that. I'd probably do it if I was asked to be on a yeah. TV show. <laughs> <True>. <laughs> if someone said, Tom, we're going to put you on TV, but you got to use this talking box. I'd be like, give me the box. Give, me. <laughs> give me the box. <laughs> you know, I don't know. Yeah. And I, I would hope to be on a cool. show that would, you know, have some standards, you know, and actually be trying to help and not hurt the field, but right. So just faking everything. <laughs> but yeah, so that, that's my book. It's on Amazon and I, it's also on audible too. You can hear me read it to you if you want. And that was just a little project during the lockdowns. Yeah. Yeah. The 10 best tools for ghost hunting. All right. 10 best tools for ghost hunting. Awesome. Well, thank you for coming on Tom. That was fantastic yeah it was fun being on with you you didn't tell me about any of your experiences or what are you doing do you investigate i need to know about you oh (laughs) well a lot of this started just from sleep paralysis because i've had that for quite some time when i was a kid and then it just kind of tapered off as i grew older but i studied biology in college so i got really into like neuroscience and that kind of stuff and it was super interesting to Mm -hmm. like study the mechanics behind sleep paralysis and stuff like that and then yeah, just growing up watching ghost hunter shows and stuff like that with my dad. So it's always been just interesting. Mm-hmm. The only thing I have really close to a paranormal experience is we were in Milwaukee, Wisconsin at the Pabst Mansion, which I don't think it's actually haunted, but it's one of those things you read all about it just because it's an old mansion. Everyone's like, oh, it's haunted, it's haunted. So you you kind of go in expecting something to happen or whatever. <laughs> but when we were in this I think it was his wife's entertaining lounge. I was fine up till then, but once the tour guide started talking about like how she used to entertain her guests and everything like that, I just got super lightheaded and sick to my stomach. And then 
I almost I thought I would almost have to leave the tour because I was just not feeling good at all. But then we stepped back out into the main room and I was fine again. So that was kind of weird, but <laughs> could have yeah, been that something I ate some that sort day. of an experience. <laughs> but someone with yeah. your uh, education and your past experiences with sleep paralysis and stuff, you'd be valuable to a paranormal mm-hmm. investigating team, you know, because mm-hmm. teams need to have people who are specialists in certain areas. Yeah. You know, like with Rise Up Paranormal, they've got you know psychologists, they've got you know people who know electric, you know electronics, they know that people who know you know, housing and plumbing and, and construction. And, you know, they yeah. have a historian, they have an archaeologist, like they, they know they, there's somebody for every field, which so helps with the investigating, you know, yeah. to Can try to weed out all input. the things that it could be, mm-hmm. you know, once you're able to eliminate all the things that could be, then you're only left with the paranormal, you know, yeah, right. and that's the best way to investigate. So someone like you, you know, someone with experience and, and education like you with biology or somebody who, you know, studied physics or something like that. Those are the yeah. people we really need to have uh, out in the field right now. Yeah. Well, maybe I'll grab a copy of your book and get started. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> Perfect. <laughs> well, thanks again, Tom, for coming on all the way from Massachusetts. Yes. Make sure you check out his book on Amazon and Audible, 10 Best Tools for Ghost Hunting. So check that out. Uh, definitely check out his podcast because it is absolutely fantastic. 56 personal stories, almost 60 episodes so far. Of I think so. Yeah, I think we're up to just that now. Absolutely horrifying my stories. My Paranormal Story. You can find him on Instagram at My Paranormal Story. You can email him if you have any questions about this episode or any of his other episodes at uh, My Paranormal Story Podcast at gmail.com, right? Yes. Awesome. Once again, thank you guys for listening to another episode. Be sure to follow the podcast on Instagram at Paranormal Paralysis. And also don't forget to just price cut the merch by 5 to $10, depending on the item. So go grab some on ParanormalParalysis.com. Other than that, I hope you guys have fun getting ready for Halloween. And as always, stay, stay spooky, spooky, baby. baby. All right. Awesome. Thank you, Tom. Thanks, man.